Uh, let me invite you, if uh, you'd like to, to turn to your Bible or your iPad or your telephone, uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to, to do the second half of this passage. We looked at this last week, uh, kind of from the negative side this morning, we're going to look at uh, storing up treasure in heaven uh, from the positive side of the, uh, of the equation. Before I read that text, I heard a fascinating story from a friend of mine who's in investments, and he was, he was blown away by this story, and he shared it with me, and, and I was dumbstruck as well. In 1941, there was a man who wanted to provide for his child's future, so he took $15,000, which I'm not sure what that would be in today's dollars, but he took $15,000, and he, and he invested it uh, in his child's name, and he invested it for 65 years. One investment, $15,000, and the child couldn't get to it until they were 65 years old. He did this when the, when the child was born. So in 2006, this person that was then 65 years old was able to receive uh, what would, had been money that had been working for 65 years. No additional investment, just the original 15000 uh, but every time a dividend came due, it went back in. Every time the interest came due every year, it went back into the account. And so it grew over those 65 years. And in 2006, that individual was, had a net worth of $37 million. An original investment of $15,000 over 65 years, simply working through the system. $37 million. Now, I know what some of you are doing. Some of you have switched from your Bible on your telephone to your calculator, and now you're going to do 65 times 6% interest. Just trust me, I, I didn't make that story up. It came from somebody who actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to money. That's an amazing, amazing story. An initial investment turns into something spectacular. What Jesus is trying to tell us in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is that God's initial investment in us can turn into something far beyond anything that we could possibly believe if we will simply trust his teaching and reject the notion that our life needs to be spent accumulating and defending and protecting and, and finding our security in temporal wealth. But rather, if we look to invest in eternity, that God promises a return that we can't even quite imagine. Let me remind you, the, uh, the sermon in a sentence this morning is the same as last week as we come back to this topic. The challenge of every disciple is to have the mind of Christ when it comes to temporal and eternal treasure. And again, we're using Psalm 86, uh, and we, we're probably going to use this. It'll be a good verse to memorize uh, over the next few weeks. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. The psalmist wants to learn to rely on God and not in himself. That's a lifelong journey. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. What Jesus is, is calling us to in the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, but also in this individual passage this morning, is the notion of an undivided heart. So follow along with me if you would uh, in your Bible or on the screen we visit again Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Hear the word of God. Jesus says, Do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone. Be glory. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning for your illumination in our hearts and minds. Father, we pray this morning that as we come back to this topic again, which hits so close to home, because compared to the vast majority of the world, we are wealthy beyond most people's wildest imagination, even those of us who would consider ourselves having more of a humble lifestyle, more of a, uh, of a uh, uh, less rich lifestyle. Father, we are, by the world's standards, uh, extremely wealthy. And Father, we live in a culture that, that keeps score by money, and we live in a culture that uh, demands hard work to lead to success in order that we can earn more money. So Father, if we're honest, this is Maybe not our favorite topic in Scripture, but Lord Jesus, you love us enough to tell us the hard things. You love us enough to challenge our status quo. And so we pray that this morning uh, you would allow us to engage in this text in a very honest and open way, that our hearts and our minds would be uh, exposed by your word and your spirit, not to necessarily share with anybody else, but just so that your spirit can be at work and each individual heart in this room. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me my sin. Don't let me stand in the way of what you want us to know this morning. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come and be our teacher. We ask these things in the name of the one who taught us to pray, and let's pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Well, let me just take a minute and review with you uh, the negative side of the equation from last Sunday. Uh, Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he gives several reasons why. And and as we read through this passage and studied this passage, we, we deduced four things. The first is that Jesus is saying, don't focus solely on the present. He isn't saying that we don't have present needs. He isn't saying that, that there aren't certain uh, needs in our lives. But he's saying, don't make your security solely in your accumulation of wealth in this present age. The second thing he said was, don't ignore your behavior. Look at where your heart is. There you will find your treasure. We may be saying one thing, I really love Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and my strength, but our behavior may be leading us down a different pathway. So Jesus said, be honest enough when we engage in this topic to not ignore your behavior. The third thing he said was don't trust yourself. Don't assume that that everything's good. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, Jesus says, your, your your body's full of light. You can see where you're going. But Jesus says, what if the eye isn't so good? What if you really can't see real well? 
then the darkness is, the light really has become darkness. So, so don't trust that, that you have 20-20 vision on this particular topic. And then the fourth thing he says is, don't attempt the impossible. No one can serve both God and money. And we mentioned last week that Jesus says no one, which puts him in that equation. Jesus is saying, I can't serve both God and money. That's impossible for me. Think about that, that God would say something's impossible for him. And yet Jesus, every time it was presented to him, he always chose God. He always chose to serve his father. So those, those were the don'ts, but that's only half of the conversation. So what are the, the do's, so to speak? How do we live with the mind of Christ regarding temporal and eternal treasure? Well, last week we had four don'ts. This week I'm just going to give you three do's. The first one is found in verse 20. And I want to suggest that Jesus is saying that we do make an, an, an intentional long-term investment, intentional long-term investing. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So how do we intentionally go about this? And I would suggest that there's three parts, so we're going to break it down a little bit. The first one is, is fixing my mind on a desired outcome, that I'm actually going to focus on this. I'm going to consider what it means for me to store up treasure in heaven. I'm going to remember on a daily basis that none of my heavenly treasure is going to be subject to decay. None of it is ever going to be stolen or lost. It's not going to be misplaced. And so I have a desired outcome. I want my treasure there. My my desire is to follow Jesus' teaching and to be intentionally laying up treasure in heaven, which means I have to think about it. I've got to get my focus right. I've got to get my gaze in the right place. The second is the notion of of repetition of of best practices. When Jesus says, lay up for yourselves, I'm going to go back to the Greek for a minute. I don't do this very often, but it's important this morning. This, This verb, lay up for yourself, is a present active imperative. Imperative means it's a command. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, if you ever get around to it, maybe start thinking about laying up treasures in heaven. Jesus says, lay up treasures in heaven. It's a command. But it's a present active command, which means it's linear and continuous action. You don't lay up treasure for yourself one day and then stop. Jesus is basically saying, Start right now laying up treasure for yourself in heaven and keep laying up for yourself treasure in heaven until the day you die. It's something that it becomes part of your life. And in order to lay up treasure in heaven, think about what some of the best practices might be. We're going to talk about that a little bit later this morning. But then repetition, continuing to practice it over and over again so it becomes second nature. One time a person asked Lee Trevino, how come you're so lucky on the golf course? And Trevino said, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the more I practice, the luckier I get, right? No such animal. There's a, conti- a continuous action. It's something that is ongoing in my life, which therefore leads to discipline as well as patience. When I begin to practice and I continue to practice, that's called discipline. It's an active active decision on my part, as well as an active action on my part. And so I'm successful in in eternal investing. I'm working at it 
day in and day out, and I'm patient. I know that it doesn't change overnight. If you've been a Christian for a while this morning, if you've been a disciple of Jesus this morning for, let's say, more than, more than 10 years, you might look at your life this morning and go, you know what, I just don't feel necessarily a whole lot different, a whole lot more Christian than I did 10 years ago. In fact, some of us might say, if you're just talking about how I feel about it, I might feel like maybe it's one step forward, two steps back. But if you're a disciple of Jesus and you ask that question in honesty to other people, do you see Jesus changing my life? Where they see it, they will tell you. (laughs) If I say to Cindy, do you see any place where Jesus is changing my life? She says, oh my goodness. (laughs) Sit down, get out a pen and a piece of paper, and I'll start going through the list, right? I don't necessarily see it. I'm kind of like the frog in the water that's getting a little bit hotter, but it's happening. And it's happening because of continuous repetition. It's becoming a disciple. It's becoming a discipline in my life, but it calls for patience. Part of the the challenge with that story I told you at the beginning is not necessarily very many of us have $15,000 that we can just part with for 65 years. But if you think about the notion of kind of the discipline patience, if you just invested $400 a month and you didn't do it for 65 years, you actually did it for just 40 years and you got a marginal rate of, of return of 5% each year, and you just, any dividends you got, you just kept investing. After 40 years, you'd have over one and a half million dollars. That's a pretty good investment for a, a total outlay of about $39,000. Over 40 years, it would grow to about one and a half, a little bit more than one and a half million dollars. So maybe it's the long-term approach that we consider. I may not be a person who is just fully capable of sharing Jesus with everybody I see today, but I can move in a direction of of getting to the place where I'm comfortable talking about my Lord and Savior with folks I meet. I bet a lot of you have read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where he talks about what really makes successful people successful. And somebody wrote a very brief summation of that book, and they said this. Here's what Gladwell said. Hard work is critical to success, but... Gladwell said, successful people are often lucky to be at the right place at the right time. And Gladwell uh, concluded that it takes 10,000 hours of working on any particular skill to actually become an expert in that skill. So Gladwell's saying, you know, you got to be a hard worker. You got to be willing to work 10,000 hours, but you also need just, just a little bit of luck on your side. Well, what makes you and me think, if Gladwell's fairly close to accurate, and I think he probably is, and, and, and it, I don't know if Gladwell's a Christian or not, but all truth is God's truth. So Gladwell didn't create this. God, God created hard work. He was the first one to do hard work. So if he's, if he's close to accurate, what makes me think that faithful discipleship, faithful growing in Christ, getting to the place where I'm, I am significantly laying up treasure in heaven to use this example of Jesus, that that's going to come with just an occasional attention and a a little bit of effort on my part. We actually are in a better place than Gladwell seems to indicate because as disciples, we live in God's providence, not on luck. I love what you said in your story. It just so happened. I'm not sure how many times you said that, but her tongue was firmly embedded in her cheek. What she was saying was, God was directing my steps. And here's our gracious God who's going to put us in a place to have the opportunity to invest in eternity 
And providentially, he's going to move us into those opportunities. He's going to give us an, an investment strategy, so to speak. The Sermon on the Mount is our investment strategy. You want to know what it means to lay up treasures in heaven? Let's just all go and practice these three books of the Bible, or these three chapters of the Bible, day in and day out. In that long-term patient discipleship, loving my enemies will come eventually with prayerful and continuous practice. Becoming a generous disciple of Jesus will come with prayerful and continuous years of practice. Being poor in spirit will come with prayerful, continual, long-term practice in my life. Developing an undivided heart will come with years of prayerful and continuous practice. It's a long obedience in the same direction, according to the author. So, I'm going to give this morning 10 people in this room a chance to practice investing in eternity this week. I don't know which chairs they're under, but there are 10 chairs in this room that have an envelope taped to the bottom of their chair with a $10 bill in it that yesterday was my $10, okay? So I'd like for you to look under your chair. If there's somebody that can't, isn't quite that flexible, look around. If there's an empty chair around you, you might want to look to the right or the left, and we got to come up with 10 envelopes. When you have the envelope, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, one, two. Wait, do we have one here? Two, three, four, way in the back, five, six, seven, eight. I think we're still missing one or two. You get, hold them up real high. There should be 10 of them. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, there's five on that side. One, two, three, four. Did you find the one up here? Clarence got five. Okay, you got it. Now, look at the people. Hold, hold your hands up for just another second. Okay, so, so if one of those folks is sitting around, you notice them, okay? Because here's the deal. In that envelope, you have $10. You have $10 of my money, okay? And the second service is going to get it too. So I'm investing $200 in you this week, okay? Now, here's how it works. You can do anything you want with that money. You can kind of look sad and pitiful to the people around you this morning, and they can give you $10 of their money as well. The 10 of you, if you want to get together after church and huddle up and decide how to use $100 instead of $10, doesn't matter. It's completely up to you. With this proviso, it has to be used for the kingdom, okay? However you define that. If the, and if you're a visitor, by the way, and you got that, the kingdom means you go out to lunch today and have a nice lunch. We're glad, we're glad that a visitor is, is going to walk out with 10 bucks more than they came in this morning, okay? But it's your responsibility to invest that money. And seriously, if you're sitting by someone and you want to see their investment go a little further and you want to reach in your pocket and hand them a $1 bill or a $5 bill or a quarter, you want to add to the, to the investment, that's, that's totally up to you, Okay? Inside that envelope, there's also a little slip of paper that says, we'd love to hear how this turned out. And we won't force you to stand up in front of church and share this information. I see people trying to pass their envelope now to somebody else. <laughs> but my email address is on there. And if you would be so kind as by, you know, the end of Saturday next week when, when the investment's done, if you wouldn't mind just sending me an email and said, Tom, I had one of them and somebody else gave me 10, I ended up with 20 and, and we bought some food for Kirk Care, whatever, just whatever you do. I just love to hear the story and uh, we, may, we may share some of those uh, in the next week or two. Intentional 
long-term invest. That's a silly example, but it's true. It's purposeful. It's mindful. It's saying, you know what, Jesus? I believe your words. I believe your teaching, and I'm actually better off with an eternal investment instead of just a temporal investment. So Jesus says, do make intentional long-term investments. Second observation in this text, and I'm going to move these second two along a little bit quicker. Jesus says, get an eye exam. Look at verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So Jesus says, get an eye exam. Have some way to look at your life and see if how you're looking at the world when it comes to an eternal investment in the kingdom of God. So there's a couple things we can do here. The first thing is that we can use the Sermon in the Mount as part of the tools that help us. We're going to call it the autofocus fundus camera. Does anybody in this room actually know what that is? Because I had to look it up this week. I know our ophthalmologist, the one ophthalmologist I know usually comes to the second service. That's the thing that looks at your retina and kind of your muscles in your eye. When you go into the eye doctor and you got to, you know, put your face, they're looking to see inside there. They're looking to see if there are any aberrations or anything that's kind of out of whack. So that's the thing that gets up close and looks into your eyeball and says, this is good or this is bad. So I guarantee if you hold your life right up to the Sermon on the Mount and you start to read this with honesty and praying that the Holy Spirit would reveal the truth to you, you're going to have the same experience that I've had. You're going to find out that in some places your eyes okay. You're going to find there's some other places that's not so good. But now you know, getting an eye checkup, because the Holy Spirit is the ophthalmologist. The Holy Spirit uses the tools, and then he says, now here's what we're going to do. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. I don't know if the Holy Spirit says, I'm, I'm going to take away everything you have because that's the lesson you need. I don't know if the Holy Spirit's going to say, I'm going to add a hundredfold to what you have because that's the lesson you need. I don't know if the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to take you to a total stranger you've never met before and you're going to minister to that. I, I have no idea how the Holy Spirit's going to apply this to your life. I don't know how he's going to apply it to my life this week. What I do know is that I can say, Holy Spirit, please do that. Please look at my eye, look at the lamp of my body and make the corrective changes necessary so that I see the world the way Jesus sees the world. That's the end goal for this. So that, therefore, I can then have brothers and sisters in Christ who tell me when they think I need a new pair of glasses. And I'm not just talking stylistically, okay? But if your brother or sister might be saying, you know what, I think your, your vision's a little fuzzy there, you might want to listen. Because Jesus says, do get an exam. And it's not, it's, this is not a, a, a every six-month checkup. This is a daily exam of using Scripture as a focus on my life, of asking the Holy Spirit to look into my life. We need objective, loving input on our view of temporal and eternal treasure. Without this kind of exam, on a daily basis, we will drift back into old habits and will be tempted to focus just on temporal wealth. Jesus says, do make intentional long-term investment. Jesus says, do go get an eye exam. And one more, Jesus says, do create a heavenly treasure list. Look at verse 24 for a second. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I want you to look at the, the two positive words here, okay? Love and devotion, okay? That's how Jesus describes a heart that belongs to God or belongs to money, for that matter. Which one will I pick? Well, again, every day that's kind of a seesaw battle. 
It can go back and forth. So if I don't start to make a bucket list, so to speak, if I don't start to make a list of, of eternal treasure that I would like to begin storing up in my life for eternity, then I probably will spend very little time actually allowing God to move and to change and to grow my heart. So I just want to give you a couple of examples of how to think about this. I'm not saying these should be yours, but just to kind of to get the kind of creative juices flowing, I think every one of us should have some, uh, some lists like this. So I might want to make a list that says this, Lord, I want to value salvation in other people's lives over my own personal fear of rejection. I want to value another person's salvation over my, my fear that if I, if I talk about Jesus that I'll be rejected. Many of us would rather invest, I'm, I'm one of the top criminals, would rather invest in people liking me than be worried about their eternal souls. See where that's going? Does it make sense? Maybe if temporal wealth, literal temporal wealth, is something with which I really struggle and I, and I need to move away from that. Lord, I want to create a pathway out of poverty for someone instead of buying a summer home. Doesn't mean you're just going to go hand somebody a bunch of money, but we have people in this congregation and congregations around St. Louis and at Kirkwood that can, that can help us learn how to invest in other people's lives significantly. And that financial investment can turn into a changed life, can, can turn into someone moving out of generational poverty if there's a spiritual and physical combination there. But maybe that's one of the things that needs to be on my bucket list. I put one more that isn't up there, uh, but I want to use my spare time, Lord, caring for those who may be hurting instead of being self-absorbed. Maybe you heard the call to be a Stephen minister this morning. The application, brothers and sisters, is, is between you and the Sermon on the Mount and these particular verses this morning and the Holy Spirit of God. But are we willing as a body of Christ to ask God to move in this way. You know, the child that was gifted and ended up with the $37 million, that, that's where the, the example doesn't quite make it because they, they simply are recipients and, and they, they did not participate in any way. Our growth in Christ, we don't participate in our salvation. That's a free gift of God, but our growth in Christ, learning to be eternal investors, learning to live with an undivided heart. I want to come back to that verse again in, in Psalm 86 is a lifelong process of growth and maturation that happens as a combination of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and my fellow disciples growing me in my faith. Where do you this morning, where do I this morning need to move away from our compulsion towards temporal investment in this world and be fixed on Jesus and his passion for an eternal treasure that will last forever? Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this word. Father, I pray that you would apply it to each of our lives in a manner that you see fit. Lord, I don't know what everybody in this room is struggling with and, and where their challenges are. I know where some of mine are, but I don't even know that I know my own heart well enough to know where my challenges are. I need you to reveal to me through your spirit and your word areas where I need to grow. But Father, give us willing hearts. That's, I think that's the bottom line of my prayer this morning. We, we prayed the Lord's Prayer before the sermon. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That has to start with me. That has to start with an individual prayer of the disciple. So Lord, make us great treasure builders, but, but not for ourselves, but for your kingdom, 
for your glory. Something that will last forever because you're the one who built it. Do that in our lives, we pray, Lord Jesus. Give us a cooperative spirit with you. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen.